Yes, what's good, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Amatelica TAS podcast for the first time in nearly a month. Uh, but once again, it is the, your host, your surely Josh Shields, here to take you through this uh, fantastic sports talk program for you here on this weekend of July the 22nd, the year 2022. We will talk about the uh, we will talk about 2022 Major League Baseball season. At coming out of its All-Star break recap, the, won't spend a whole lot of time, but I'll give you my two cents on the All-Star game and the home run derby. Talk Juan Soto and him turning down a, a 50-year, $440 million contract. We'll discuss that. We will get into the American League uh, wildcard chase and the Manners, who are currently riding a 14-game winning streak to begin the second half. And the Baltimore and my Baltimore Orioles, where they stand, I haven't talked, I did not discuss and talk about this phenomenal 10-game winning streak that they went on a few weeks back uh, at 500 to begin the second half this weekend against the Yankees. Mets Braves, I'll talk about that. Uh, NL Central race between the Brewers and the Cardinals. Whoever won blinks first, uh, we'll discuss that. Baker Mayfield is, is a Carolina Panther. We will get into that. Kyler Murray gets a contract extension, which I got plenty to say about. I will discuss that later on in the program as well. And DeAndre Ayton will remain with the Phoenix Suns. After all, we will also get into that. Uh, I want, although I did want to scream about the Madden ratings and uh, and the and the and the and the disrespect with the Bengals. That is something that I have been wanting to scream about for a long time now. But I will not do that. I will tease you guys with it. But I will do that uh, and save that for about a couple for you know mid late August. I will I will I, will, I really want to stay away from as much football. As I possibly can on the show because I know once September, once the what I, matter of fact, let me go in, let me see when when the first show uh, of September will be for this show. So essentially, from the week of September the fourth, the week of September the fourth. So either that fifth, the fifth, sixth, seventh, from then on, from then on, from then. To February, the week of February twelfth through the eighteenth will be will be nothing but NFL football. So I want to stay away from it as much as I possibly can until early September, mid late August at the earliest. Uh, if things go down in training camp, and if I'm you know if you and if you guys are sick of me babbling away about uh, you know. Uh, Tyler Wells and the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff and the New York Yankees and the, so and I want to say it for as much as possible but trust me I got a lot this that's I'm a pressure cooker you know eventually you add enough pressure to it there's enough pressure to the pot eventually it's going to super pow and explode so I'm letting that pressure build itself up day by day little by little month after month week after week so then you know if when I when I'm dying for something to talk about I can scream about Madden I can scream about the Bengals being disrespected I can scream about you know things pertaining to the NFL heading into the season to the cows come home come uh come uh, you know around this time next month August 22nd 23rd 25th and so on but uh, it will be a, it will be a majority a, a predominantly baseball show today on uh, this on uh, this weekend's program and where we will begin real quick here at the, here at the top is just a rundown 
of the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game, and I give you my two cents on that and give you my Soto thoughts, and then we can move on about our merry way here uh, here on this uh, program. But here's the thing with the uh, with the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. For one, uh, and if you didn't know, and if, if you didn't watch it, don't know, don't care, uh, one, Soto won it for those of you that do. Uh, for the, for those of you who didn't watch it and do care, Juan Soto won it in the final round. I'm not going to break down the home run derby. That's the last thing I'm going to do. What I will say as far as, you know, who, who what was the reason who lost and why and all the other sort of stuff. What I will say is that it took entirely way, 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 way too long. Way too long for the home run derby to begin and for it to end. The home run, that home run derby start, the broadcast started at eight o'clock at night. The actual, uh, by the time you got through the, by the time you got through the uh, pyrotechnics and the, and the, and the national anthem and all the pomp and circumstance of the event, by the time, by the time the event began, it was 820 at night on the East Coast. 820 at night. By the time the damn thing ended, it was well. At, it was going. I, I I could look it up and see what time. It was well after ten o'clock, ten thirty, going in the in the eleven o'clock hour. I don't exactly remember the the exact time, but it but it went into the eleven o'clock hour by a few minutes. You cannot if you're major league baseball. You cannot, under any circumstances, I don't care if I don't care if Roger Maris, Mark McGuire, uh, Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, uh, uh, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Eddie Murray, Boog Powell, Willie Mays are competing in the Home Run Derby. I don't care if A Rod, Big Poppy. Uh, A-Rod, Big Poppy, uh, Kevin Millar, and Harold Reynolds are participating in the Home Run Derby. I, I care less, okay? I, the Home Run Derby, a, I don't want to say it's a gimmick, but a meaningless, a meaningless skills competition. That's only there to provide us baseball fans and us sports fans a little bit of something as the preamble to the All-Star game the day before the game. There's no excuse why that event took damn near, if not probably probably over three hours. There's no excuse and there's no reason for that. This is not a regular game. This is not a regular, this isn't a regular season game. This isn't a playoff game. There's no reason why a home run derby, a meaningless skills, home run hitting skills contest should take three hours. I'm sorry. When you own when there's when there's only three rounds. There's the first round, there's semis, and then it's the final itself. Furthermore, it is not like the home run derby. Remember the old home run derbies back in the day, when you where where each hitter cut that came up to the plate would get ten would get ten outs in their turn. This isn't the home run derby in two thousand and two, or the home run derby in two in uh, 
in in 2011 when I believe Robinson Cano won it. You know, this is not that home run derby. This this is the only this is the only measure of baseball activity that is that is measured by. This is the only baseball activity that's that's measured by a game that's measured by a clock. It's the only thing. The game itself doesn't have a clock, but the home run derby, damn Skippy, sure does run on a clock. And do we? And do we have? And does every hitter have to have three minutes and thirty seconds to hit to get a chance to hit their hit the home runs? These are major league baseball players. Okay, they do they do this for a living. This is not me and you. You know, some little event that that, that was put together by the Dodgers organization by charity to see how many guys can actually hit a ball. You know how many average Joes can can hit a ball over a, over the fence at a major league baseball ballpark. This, this is not that. These guys hit. These guys hit home runs, especially in this day and age, in this era of Major League Baseball. Players hit home runs like it's going out of style. They, 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 they hit. They, they hit players. Major League players today hit home runs like like drinking water. It is damn near natural to them. It is natural. It's a. It's a part of the sport. And it's and and also, they play the 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 dimensions at Dodger Stadium is not the dimensions at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. All right, is is not they don't play in the Polo Grounds. So you take you you selecting a list of home run hitters that's got hella power that are that are that are physically gifted. With immense strength and great hand-eye coordination, it does not take three minutes and thirty seconds for every single for every single contestant to come up to the plate and hit home runs. I'm sorry when 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 it, when they're getting when they're getting thrown batting practice. It is not it. Come on, too long. It should not take two and two two hours and forty five minutes, two fifty five, three hours, three three oh five, three ten. For a home run derby hitting for a home run hitting contest, it it shouldn't. It should not take that long. It should not take that long, okay? To for the watch to watch Major League Baseball players hit hit uh hit home runs off off of batting practice pitching. I mean, come on. Yes, we all love to see the ball go nine miles. We love to see it go fly high up in the air. We all love to see it go into the crowded outfield uh, seats and to see people uh, jump and dive all over each other for the ball. And, and wow, look how far this one goes. And, oh, look, he had 30-something home runs in one turn. Or, you know, I get that. Seeing the ball leave out Dodger Stadium, seeing the ball uh, hit the home run sculpture in uh, in Miami. Seeing the bo- seeing a home run ball hit the West Metal Supply Company building in San Diego. The you know seeing the 500 foot home runs in a high altitude in in Denver. So I get I, I'm not poo pooing on the home run derby whatsoever by any stretch of the imagination. What I am poo pooing is the fact that it took practically three hours to get it completed, and the fact that essentially after the first 15 20 minutes I was lying on my couch bored stiff because because it, it, it got tedious it got mundane it got boring after a while 
Home Run Derby is not supposed to be boring. Home Run Derby is supposed to be the little thing that captures the eyeballs of the sports fan that, that don't watch baseball on a night-in, night-in, night-out, day-in, day-out basis from April to October. It's supposed to be that thing that if you're a sports fan and you kind of have a general idea of what the sport of baseball is and then you know what a home run is, you tune into it in the middle of July because there's nothing to watch on television. M- NBA free agency, for the most part, is over with and the, and the game's been over for over for about a month. NHL, same deal. Training camps haven't opened up yet in the NFL and, and all the free agency frenzy and draft is long, is, 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 is way back in your, in your rearview mirror and the schedule have been released, so you don't even have to dissect and break down that. There's sports wise, uh, sports wise, unless you're into the the Open champion, unless you're into the Open Championship or Wimbledon or this, that, and the other. There's nothing to watch this time of the year on the on a sports calendar, unless you're into, uh, unless you're into WNBA basketball and uh, WNBA basketball, and that's practically about it. There's nothing to watch, and the one thing that baseball has that kind of ca- that kind of uh, captures a little bit of the uh that captures social media a little bit is is the home run derby home run derby I didn't I don't watch them I don't listen to them but I guarantee you Colin Coward probably mentioned home run derby and the all-star game a couple of times on his show partly because he works for Fox and Fox has the has the all-star game that they've been doing it annually since I believe uh, for the last 17 years or so, but you get the idea. But it took way, 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 way too long to get it completed. A, a game, yes. A game, I grant you. A game that means something, play, I, a, a playoff game especially, but a regular season game, I grant you. A meaningless home run hitting competition that's only there for the pomp and circumstance to add to to, to, to a little flair and add some panache, some flash to the quote unquote All Star Week at All Star Week around circling around the All Star Game, another avenue for for the for the league and whatever and whatever uh, city is hosting the All Star Game for them to make a little bit extra cash. Come on, it should it should, three hours, way too long. And after, and I swear to you, after, after I was into it first uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes or so, but at, but come the 21st minute, I was sitting in my chair board stiff. That's why I swear to you. I, I don't know whether it's because I was looking forward to the uh, to the Derek Jeter documentary that was that was that ESPN promised me uh, after after the home run derby, which they got a little late too, by the way, because the damn thing took so long. But I I, I don't know I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, maybe it was because I was I was I was looking forward more to the Jeter documentary that I was the home run derby, or it was just the fact that the damn thing took too long. I I I don't I don't know. Maybe if, if maybe if I feel the same way next year when the Derby's in Seattle and there isn't a, a Jeter documentary for me to look forward to, uh, for me to look forward to, maybe I'll be humming a different tune. But still, it took way. To, for a home run derby hitting contest with only three rounds, first round, a se- first round semis, finals, way too long, and it dragged on forever, forever. And and I and again, I I don't understand why you know major league baseball players need three minutes and thirty seconds to hit as many home runs as they can. I thought I thought part of the 
the essence and the fun of the contest is to see how many get, is to see what player has the best has the best uh, has the best endurance can uh, that you know that can hit as many home runs as possible in a short amount of time. Is isn't that another challenge to it too? See how many home runs you can see how many you're on a clock and then we can see how many home runs you can hit. I thought the clock was supposed to add that add a little bit of pressure. Where you where you know if if you uh, put the basically put the hitter in a position where you can't take a pitch because what you used to see a lot before they added the time clock I have to go and look up and see what year they added it but I what, what I remember seeing as a kid a lot in the home run derbies is that when players would get tired they would just sit back and just take pitches to allow themselves to catch their breath now with the clock involved that you that you rarely if ever see that anymore. Three minutes, two thirty. You got to cut off at least thirty seconds. Three, th- three minutes and thirty seconds, and practically you might as well round it up to four minutes because they because they hand out bon because they hand out that dopey bonus time like it's going out of style. You might as well say uh, major league baseball players four minutes they hit home runs, and, and we're not talking about guys that you know that ride the bench that average about three home runs a season. We're talking about guys that in their sleep can hit 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 home runs in a season. Guys that it guys that guys that 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 that, that can bench press a little bit of something. That's got that's got that's got meat on their bones. That that are practically football players and not all of them, but are, but some if not most a la Pete Alonso are football players and be, wearing baseball uniforms. Football players that play baseball for a living, as far as their physical body built, and the All Star Game. Listen, I I there's a couple things with the the game itself was not bad. It was it it was uh it was it was it was watchable. It was watchable. It was good. It was it was competitive, and the players try, which is the only. Uh, all-star game out of all the major sports that you can say that about is that the players actually go they don't care who wins and loses but they go out there they bust their ass and they care but what i but what i gotta tell you but what i gotta say is that i don't know what who who talked to rob manfred when where where does rob manfred get off and where does he and when what universe is he living in where he thinks that the that the masses that are the Major League Baseball fan in 2022 like the god awful All Star Game uniforms, which we've been subjected to seeing in the throughout during the last two All Star Games. I mean, where I mean, what 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 universe does he live in? He was quoted earlier this week saying, "Quote: I never thought that a baseball team wearing different jerseys in a game was particularly an appealing look for us." Oh, oh, good. Hey, Rob, they did it for ninety consecutive All Star games. Okay, this this is one of this is the out of all the All Star games and all the major sports. I don't know the history of the NHL, but the ones that I follow, your All Star game is the oldest one. You've had ninety two of them. The first ninety. From the days of Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio to Derek to Derek Jeter and uh, and Alex Rodriguez to Brian Roberts to Barry Bonds to Bryce Harper to Mike Trout, every for the first ninety All Star games, from 
you go back and do the math. I'm not going to type it out for you. But for the for for the ninety of the the first ninety of the ninety two All Star games and every single one that I've watched in my lifetime, starting with the oh seven starting with the oh seven All Star game, which is the first All Star game I vividly remember sitting down and watching on television. From every single one of those on up until the one in two thousand and nineteen in Cleveland. Which which I didn't see because I was busy that uh, that uh, that day ch- busting my ass in the hot Baltimore heat trying to trying to make the uh, varsity football team, but up but up and but up until from then to the nineteen All Star game, every single player has worn their own team's uniform. And in recent memory, Major League Baseball with New Era has fooled around with the different hats. Which I don't mind. Which I actually kind of like. I have. If you want to come up with a special hat design for each for for the players to wear, with the with, you know with the different team colors or whatever for the All Star game to make it special to sell to sell something, so be it. I actually like it. Well, I, you know, back in my back in my preteen, early teenage years, I'd be like, ooh, what 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 does the All Star what's the All Star game hat design look like this year? Cause I I found it cool. I found I found it compelling. I found it interesting. Ooh, what? Huh? And then and then something even I like to do to this day is I like to go back in time and see what you know the home run the the All Star game hat designs in the past and compare them and see oh which one look what's you know and compare and contrast which one looks better than the opposite. So the hats I don't mind. The hats I don't mind. If they were to wear their regular hat and just put a All Star Game patch on it, fine. If they want to come up with a, with a, with a unique design every all, every year for the All Star Game, I got no problems with that either. I I actually love that fact. You want to fool around with the hats? Eh, no big deal. As long as long as it as long as it flows with the with the uniform the players are wearing, I got no problems. If they, if they, if they got if they win the team, no issues. But the uniform, something totally different. Okay, when I watch the All Star Game, I should see Jorge Lopez wearing the Orioles gray uniform, gray uniform with Baltimore on it in orange, and I should see Mike Trout with the same with the Angels, Otani the same with the Angels. I should see Freddie Freeman in a Dodger home uniform in Dodger Stadium. Clayton Kershaw, when he took the man, I should, see, I should see the same thing. Stanton and Judge should have the gray New York Yankees jersey on. You want to give him a different hat design? Fine. But from the neck down, it needs to basically look like their regular uniform as if they were a part of the Yankees for a regular, plain old regular season baseball game. With just the All Star Game patch added onto the sleeve, that that's it, and and and, and in Rob Manfred's, uh, and where and in Rob Manfred's confusing, ridiculous mind, he thinks that well, it's never been appealed. Hey, Rob, we've been doing it for the previous ninety All Star Games prior to last year's Summer Classic. All right, this is this is a new concept. 
Rob Manfred makes it seem like that we that we just started doing this, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Rob, in the in the in the four in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, twenty tens, players wore their own team's uniform to the All-Star game. The only little addendum that I that I noticed that they had made to, to teams wearing the regular uniform is the patch, the All-Star game patch. And what I saw, and what I saw, I think from about 2010, 2011, up until 19, is that they either would have the gold star up by the up by the back lapel, uh, where the where the baseball swingman logo uh, is, or what I remember seeing in 2019 that they even still do with the funky uniform designs is that there's a black star on a player's sleeve, and then there's a number. On the there the the star is numbered to signify how many times that player is an all star. But those are the only two modifications that have happened to the uniform, which I'm fine with. You want to make a little bit extra, put the patch on it, and put how many times the player's been there. But when I watch, when I watch Jorge Lopez pitch the seventh eighth inning against the National League, he should have on his regular gray Orioles uniform. And the one sleeve and the one sleeve on it say all have the All Star Game logo on it, and the other sleeve have the have the black and gold star on it with the number one to signify he's a first time All Star. That's all I should see. I shouldn't see any funky uniform uh, designs. You know, players wearing players wearing all white with with the, with the team logo and gold plated. I shouldn't see. You know, I shouldn't see a, a dark metallic. Uh, dark metallic gray on the road uniform with the same, with the same thing. I, you know, having players sweat their ass off when it's 95 degrees outside in the in the peak of the afternoon in Southern California. I shouldn't, I shouldn't see, I shouldn't see that. I don't want to see that. I should see every player wearing their own team's uniform, representing their team. I remember, I go back to the 07 All-Star game for a reason. First All-Star game I vividly remember watching as a young kid. And I remember seeing Brian Roberts, the old Orioles second baseman, who was one of my favorite players on the Orioles at the time. This is what? This is 15, year, this is 15 years ago. And I remember hearing Joe Buck call his name over the PA saying, representing the Baltimore Orioles second Second baseman Brian Roberts and saying Brian Roberts and the and the what the and if you guys own it to remember, the the old Orioles road uniform at the time all gray with the Orioles and and the name lettering in orange white trim with a black stripe around the sleeve with the old li- live like Oriole bird on its on its on 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 the hat. I, you know, one of the reasons why I remember that so vividly, because of the one of the reasons because he, I saw my, I saw my favorite team's uniform on the national spotlight, which is another thing too that also gets underappreciated. The fan of the team that that either a doesn't get a lot of national media attention or b the fan of a team that's bad. That knows that come October they're not going to be on national television competing in playoff games, but for that one night your team is in is in the national your team your favorite team's uniform your favorite team's logo gets the eyes of 
the na uh, of the nation's baseball fans across the country. There's a certain pride element that's involved. I remember all those All Star games in the mid two thousands. The you know the, the 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 fourteen and fifteen ones stick out in my mind specifically. Where you had a lot of when you had a lot of Orioles go. You had like three, four, five Orioles go to the All Star game. And 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 seeing and seeing that picture of all the and seeing them line up along the baselines of 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 the of the, all the all stars of the Orioles that went to the game, wearing their wearing their team's colors. I'm I'm sick of the uh, of uh, of the of the expensive the expensive travel league looking uniform for the All Star game has to go. I could give a damn. I could care less about Manfred placating the Nike and collecting a check. I'm not interested. Do what the fans want. The fans want their own their, their favorite players to wear their own team's uniform. Do whatever the hell you want with the hat. They need to be wearing their team's uniform. Period. Period. In my opinion, if you want to do, if you want to actually, in my opinion, if you want to spice it up a little bit. Have every team wear, if they have it, an alternate jersey. So it's not all gray and all white. The home team the home team, for example, the team the team that, that's the designated home team, for example, wears it wears a colored jersey. And the road team wears gray. So for instance so for instance in this year's All-Star game, you would have a Met player where you would have a Met player Wearing a uh, uh, wearing a, a, a blue alternate jersey, a brave player wear the wear a red Braves jersey, and you know so on and so forth. Or have it be the alternate team that, or have it be the road team that does it. But I want to see, and I think I speak for the majority of the baseball fans out there, they want to see the players wear their own team's uniform in the All Star game. It's enough of the expensive. Uh, 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 it's enough of the expensive, uh, bougie travel league uniform look. It doesn't fit. NFL, NBA, I get it. You you know you go you go both you go both ends of the playing field. You're guarding each other one on one. You got a ball in your hand. There's passing involved. Easily get somebody mixed up. You know, mixed up. You know, wearing their own team's uniform. It looks like your eyes get fooled. You may that I get, but even in, but even in the NFL, even in the in the NFL, they allow their they allow them to have some originality originality to it by having them wear their own team's helmets. So even in the NFL, you still get somewhat of what used to be that Major League Baseball All Star feel with everybody wearing their own team's helmets. Yes, from the neck down, they're all dressed the same. But you, but it's funny, you know, looking out on a football field and seeing a Jet helmet, a Viking helmet, a Bengal helmet, Raven helmet, Dolphin, uh, Patriot, Green Bay Packers. You get the idea. But where, but Rob Manfred. Again, lost as hell as per usual. Lost. I didn't mind the mic'd up. I didn't mind the players being mic'd up and having a conversation with the booth. The only thing that I don't like is is the pitchers mic'd up. Listen, 
uh, the I forget his name, Alex Manoa for the for the Blue Jays went went viral and 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 won America's hearts because of how uh, personable and how likable he came across when he was mic'd up during the game on Tuesday night. But if it was me, I would not want a I would not want a. Uh, earpiece in my ear and a battery pack on my back while I'm trying to pitch. I understand it's a meaningless exhibition game, but I but I throw 90 plus miles an hour. I mean, I mean, if I'm a major league baseball pitcher, you know, you, you're gonna laugh, but but it's but it, but it's true. Major league baseball major league baseball players essentially have weapons in their hands. They have they have a crazy ability to throw a ball at at the speed of a car. Uh, at a, at the high speed of a of a car, going going down driving down uh, the interstate. I in a meaningless game, and that's I think the most importantly because you can't because nobody no team no player can afford to get hurt in this game. Especially because uh, because it's an exhibition game that means nothing. They got a they got a weapon in their hand. That one thing goes awry, one person says something more, or or they're or they're thrown off or distracted, or a battery pack you know doesn't allow them to fully stretch throughout their wind. All it takes, and then a ninety five mile an hour fastball right to the kisser, and he and he got a nightmare on your hands. So if it was so if it was me, if I was a pitcher in the All Star game, I'd say, listen, I have, I can talk to you guys till I'm blue in the face in the dugout. Position player, I get it. Position player, you're standing around, you're waiting for the ball to come to you, you get bored, you know. So in between pitches until the ball comes to you, you can have a conversation, you know. That's nice, that's cute, that's cute, that's entertaining, you know. And entertaining to see a position player, you know, the getting interview with the earpiece in the ear, and all of a sudden the ball's hit to him, and then you get to hear, you know, like you hate, like you see in, in football, you get to hear that. You know, you get to hear the noises that they make when they're running after the ball or when they're trying to make a catch or something like that. That I get. But a pitcher, they got the ball in their hands constantly, throwing 90-plus miles an hour, and they got to concentrate. You know, if it was me, I wouldn't want, you know, John Smoltz blabbering away in my ear when I'm when, I, when I'm trying to, when I, I understand that it means nothing, but when I'm trying to concentrate and try to get the ball over the plate. I don't want John Smalls in my in my ear with a battery pack with a battery pack uh, set to, set to the back of my waist. I wouldn't want that if if I if it was me. So that was the one thing that I didn't like. The pitchers mic'd up, which I'm not exact. Well, not well, not necessarily mic'd up, but them having essentially an earpiece on talking to the to the booth. You want to put a mic on them? That's one thing. But with the earpiece involved and, and basically trying to do two things at once, have a conversation with the broadcast booth all while trying to pitch, and one or the other. You can't have you can't have both. And lastly with with uh with Soto, listen, uh it's it's obvious more than anything he does not want to be a Washington national at the end of the day. You know, they could offer him uh twenty year they could offer him twenty years for five hundred and fifty million dollars, he does not want to be a Washington National. For the, for the reason why I I for the reason why I do I do not I do not know. 
you know, maybe the, you know, I, I, I am aware and I understand that, uh, within the last year, year, year and a half, two years that the, that the crime in Washington DC has, uh, has gone up. Maybe it, maybe it's that maybe he doesn't want to have to deal with the brutal, uh, with, with, with the cold Springs early in the season. Maybe it's that as well. Uh, something within the organization I don't like the fact that th- that there's going to be a change in ownership, or, or, or the fact that he wants to explore other opportunities and he already and he you know he won a championship with the Nationals and he feels like that he that he uh, that he uh, you know has uh, paid his dues with the organization. Whatever it is, he does not want to be a Washington National for whatever the reason. And I think and I think for me. And I think for me personally, you know, I, I don't blame him. He does what's best for him. But, uh, but you know, he just don't want to be a national. Where he ends up going, whether, uh, the, the, whether he gets traded, when he gets traded, where he ends up going in free agency, I don't know. That would require me to do a lot of, of a lot of, uh, thinking and pondering to, the, you know, figure out where he could end up going. But I, I he just don't want to be there. For whatever the reason, and you know, and you can't say it's not about money, and you, and you also can't say that the Nationals organization is cheap because they, outside outside of Rendon, which they had to let walk because they knew that it was either Strasburg or Rendon, and they picked Strasburg, and so far they've gotten burned. Uh, but uh, but but you can't say that the Nationals ha- have been cheap. They offered a Harper. They offered a Harper a, a respectable deal. He didn't bite. They offered. They offered Soto again four hundred forty million dollars. He wanted. He wanted nothing. They paid Max Scherzer handsomely when he was down there with Washington. So you can't say you know they they dished out a big time contract to Jason Worth back in the day. So you can't say the Nationals organization and the ownership hasn't tried to build a winner, hasn't tried to put a competitive product on the field, hasn't tried to keep their uh, their core players around throughout their history in the last 10 years or so, and hasn't given them ch- uh, top dollar or lowballed them like other organizations. <clears throat> Angelos with Manny Machado. But for whatever the reason, don't want to be there. And lastly, if you... With with the Juan Soto thing and him having to fly out and buy his own plane ticket, fly out there the one so he didn't land in L.A. till one o'clock in the morning on Monday. Here's what I have to say about this: Everybody looks looks bad in this situation. The Nationals look incredibly petty for not paying for not uh, for not at least doing him a favor, doing him a solid as as a champ as one of their shockingly one of their few remaining players from their 2019 championship team i mean he did win a championship with the nationals i mean did did we forget that for not flying and and arguably not arguably but obviously also their best player uh the best player on the team and their lone all-star representative for not doing him a solid and flying to him out there on a chartered flight, so the Nationals look incredibly petty and impet- and incredibly bad for that. That's not a good look for the organization, you know. Basically, making Soto uh, pay out of pocket uh, to to pay for his own plane ticket. So the Nationals look bad there. 
Also, Scott Boris looks bad, and he is uh, and he is one person that when I hear him talk, it is one ear and out the other who I cannot listen to under any circumstances, especially about you know him bitching and moaning and screaming on Soto's behalf for poor old uh, Juan Soto flying out to uh, L.A. and landing at one o'clock in the morning to compete in a home run derby, which nobody cares about, nobody will remember ten, fifteen years down the line. They'll remember Juan Soto for winning a championship with the Nationals, not winning a damn home run derby. I mean, does anybody remember Bryce Harper winning the Derby in Nationals Park in eighteen, and then the next, and then the next season they went and won a championship? I mean, nobody cares. Uh, but. Especially, especially also considering that Bryce Harper left to go to the division rival up the road in the Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia Phillies. But Boris should also keep his big fat mouth shut and put his and, and do what they call count your blessings and uh, and do a little uh, self examination and say, look, uh, hold on, uh, hold on now. I am Scott Boris. I make mo- I make money hand over fist. I am worth not not. Million, millions upon millions. I'm worth and I make millions upon millions of dollars. Scott Boris can afford to get hit one of his top clients that's due for big payday down the road. He can afford what Scott Boris, if he was so appalled by the fact that Juan Soto had to fly out of pocket commercial from DC to LA for, for, for you know, for the All Star game. If he was so distraught and he was so pissed off by it, why? How come he couldn't, you know, cough up money out of it? He couldn't cough up his own money and say, "Hey, and take care of his clients that 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 he's trying to negotiate a big time uh, payday for, and which he'll get some of that via uh, via commission." I mean, come on, Scott. If you're that up all, if you're that bothered by it, bite the bullet. You can afford it. Pull pull it out of your own dime on your own dime and make sure that Soto gets to L.A. Scot free, uh, no, not scot free, but without having to pay a nickel, uh, and you and you pay for a first class flight to uh, from DC to LA yourself. Scott Boris couldn't have done that for his client. He's got to go out there and, and bitch and moan. And, and now, listen, the Nationals look horrible, but still, when when you're Scott, when you're when when you when you're an agent, and your name is Scott Boris. One of the richest, most influential baseball agents the game has ever seen. You cannot bitch and moan when a player of yours who's the who is the one lone representative for his team. Not like the Braves that had their manager, Ron Washington, a couple of players go out there so they needed actually a, a, che- a team charter flight to make sure that, that, that their bunch gets out to L.A. in, in a manageable time. It was only one player. One five nationals, one four. It was and, and, and a couple coaches or a couple of trainers and uh, and uh, Martinez, the manager. It was one player. Yes, the nationals should have took care of him, but come on, Boris, use your head and pay. You have a little bit of self awareness about what's going on around you. Gas prices, inflation, people going to the poorhouse, paying for paying for regular crap, plane ticket. Plane ticket prices for the common average American uh, that you know that aren't millionaires like you. You know they got they go they I go to the poor house to hop on an airplane to get to hop on a decent uh, flight and coach. Come on, nonstop. Come on. If he was that appalled by it, he should he should have took some money out of his own pocket to make sure he got his own uh, player and subtle taken care of. So it's hard for me to listen to Scott Boros on that aspect too as well. Just getting started.
we'll get to the second part of this baseball um, two-prong monologue, if you will. Major League Baseball coming out of the All-Star break. This is the Yamatel KTIS podcast. Nice to have you with us. Don't go anywhere. Back right after this. Welcome back to the Yamatelki TIS podcast. Staying with Major League Baseball as we look ahead to the second, the quote-unquote second half of the season. Uh, numerically, we are more than halfway through the uh, the uh, 162 uh, game mark. We're at game 80. Let me just here. Let me look it up. Uh, the Orioles. This is due to the Orioles for a perfect example. They are forty six and forty six. You do the math. That's eight. That's uh, that's you do the math. That's carry the one. That's forty six. That's two one and the one and the four. That's one and the four. That's five plus the six. So we're about we're in the er, we're in the late eighties, early nineties portion. The Orioles have have already played ninety two games, so they only have a hundred. And let's calculate this, uh, shall we? Yours truly, gift of the gab and gift of history, not of uh, not of uh, he's not a math whiz by any stretch of the imagination. So they got seventy games left. So rough. So you know. So second half, quote unquote, second half of the season. Although we've what we've like I said, more than went through and bypassed the eighty second game mark of the twenty twenty two season. But we will get to the action on the field. And there's uh, four things I wanted to touch on here in this segment. Two out of each league. Uh, we'll do the wild card chase first in the. We'll do the wild card chase first in the East, uh, which is the which is by far the most compelling uh, uh, quote unquote playoff storyline uh, as we begin uh, the second act of this uh, of this twenty two season. Uh, all of the divisions out well except for the Central. You know the uh, the Twins are are only six games above five hundred. Uh, heading into their action on Friday, heading into Friday's action at fifty and forty-four, and only two games ahead of Cleveland, who's only two games above five hundred at forty-six and forty-four, and the Chicago White Sox, believe it or not, who have had an abysmal uh, first half uh, of the twenty-two season, are at five hundred forty-six and forty-six, and only three games back of the Central uh, Division leads, but not counting the Central, and there's nobody, in my honest opinion, I was really high on the White Sox when the season began. I thought they'd go all the way to the ALCS 
Uh, I thought they would go all the way to the ALCS uh, when the, when the season started. I I mean, boy, partly part of it for the most part has been injuries. They've been injured. At Helen Becks, Tim Anderson, uh, and and others have been, uh, and their superstar and their star players have been injured up up and down throughout their lineup. And Dallas Keuchel got DFA'd and everything else, but. You know, I, boy, was I wrong on them. I mean, Tony Larusa has no. Uh, he did a hell of a job last year, but last year is last year. As I say it all the time, ad infinitum on this show, sports is a what have you done for me lately business. And lately, this, the White Sox are 46 and 46, 19 and 25 at a, a guaranteed rate field in Southside Chicago. And uh, although they've won seven out of the last 10, only three games out of first place in the Central, you'd expect the Chicago White Sox back in uh, mid-late March to be in first place by no, by no less than three games uh, exiting out of the All-Star break in mid to late uh, in mid to late in mid to late July with a 500 record, but outside of that, the real juice is with the is with the wild card. The American League East, the Yankees can run and hide. The Astros can uh, the Astros can run can uh, can run and hide over in the West. Although the Seattle Mariners who are currently running a 14 game winning streak heading into Friday's action, and they are at 51 and 42. They are 51 and 42, nine games above 500. But still, a lot of ground to make up as far as pertaining any threat to the Astros in the division is concerned. With the ten-game lead that they have heading into uh, heading into uh, the second act of the season, but the wild card chase in the American League is where it gets really interesting. The Rays have a game and a half advantage as the number one wild card team, as the fourth seed in the Amer in the American League at forty at fifty one and forty one. They have a weekend series in Kansas City to open up the season's second act. Seattle is uh, Seattle is hosting Houston, and if Seattle wants to convince the masses, maybe the, maybe themselves within the Seattle Sea Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Manor's organization, the fan bases, they they probably think and have that mindset that they can erase that 10 game lead that separates them and Houston for the American League West but nobody outside of the state of Washington believes that uh, and, and the one way to make the other 49 states and the other surrounding fan bases and the and the uh, quote-unquote manner detractors think otherwise is taking care of business against the Houston Astros at home to begin the seat to begin the season second act this weekend. Ten games back, nine games above 500, 51 and 42. They hold a game advantage over the Toronto Blue Jays for the fifth seed in the American League playoff picture and the second wild card and the, and the second wild card spot. While also keep in mind trying to keep their try to extend their 14 game winning streak to 17 by the time. Uh, by the time the weekend is out, come Monday, uh, the the and uh, and the Toronto Blue Jays hold the third and final hold the third and final wild card spot, the sixth and final playoff spot in the American League. They have a two game advantage over the Boston Red Sox, who are in the rearview mirror, who have lost seven out of their last ten. Uh, lost back-to-back games as they open up a series against the Blue Jays. Against the Blue Jays here, the, 
at, in uh, Fenway Park this weekend. A two-and-a-half game advantage of, uh, uh, in front of the Cleveland Indians, who are uh, two-and-a-half games back behind Toronto for the third spot. And as I mentioned, two games back of the Minnesota Twins for first place in the Central. And uh, three-and-a-half games ahead of my Baltimore Orioles, who have won eight out of the, eight out of the last ten games. Can't win, uh, their ten-game winning streak uh, was, snapped last, was snapped last Friday down at Tropicana Field against the Rays. They are an even 500 at 46 and 46 as they begin a three-game weekend series against the New York Yankees that took place at 7:05 Friday night, and three and they have a three and a half game advantage over the White Sox, who are who are 46 and 46 as well. And if you and I think not, but you know they're less than they get less than 10 games, anything can happen. Seven games with the Texas Rangers at 42. And 49, all the other teams, you know, the Angels, the Angels, the Tigers, the uh, the, the the Royals, the, the A's, you can forget about. But it, what's really compelling is is the three teams that currently hold a wild card spot, and then the three teams trying to ch- trying to chase them: the Red Sox, the Indians, who are also trying to chase the uh, Twins, like I said, for the Central, who have lost seven of ten. And my and my Baltimore Orioles. There was a point in period in time where where uh, early in the month early in the month of July, where all four teams in the American League East held a playoff spot. And uh, and right now with the and right now with the white with the Red Sox and free with the with the White Sox excuse me the Red Sox who who had hit the wall once the calendar turned from from June to July and the Seattle Mariners who have gotten hot as as a result of their 14 game winning streak now you have two teams out of the West hold a playoff spot and th- and three teams out of the East. Hold a playoff spot with the Yankees, Rays, and Blue Jays, and the two teams out of the West with the with the Astros and the and the Seattle Mariners, with teams of the Indians and White Sox still within arm's reach of that third and final wild card spot, and still within arm's reach of the division, but could be on the outside looking and looking in if things don't break right the last uh, few months of the re- of the regular season. Uh, so it's a very it'll be a very interesting story to look ahead here uh, as we begin the second act of the season. Uh, just to take a look and see, well, we you know we can go through this. We can go through well, go by team by team with the division. We'll look at the Rays schedule first and see who the, who the Rays. The Rays have a layup to begin this to begin the season second half. Uh, with a weekend with a weekend series against the Royals, and they come to Baltimore to play for the second time in a week pair for a four game set throughout the, this upcoming work week next week, and then they come back home to play the Guardians, and then the Blue Jays, and then they get a break with a four game series against the Tigers, and to begin the the first weekend in August, and then it's the Milwaukee Brewers for a two-game set in Milwaukee, then back home again to play the Orioles, then they hit the road to play the Yankees, and then they're back home again to play the Royals, and then they get a little bit of a break in mid-August, and then it's Red Sox, Marlins to wrap up August, and they open up September to play the Yankees uh, at, uh, at Tropicana Field on September the 2nd. As for the uh, the Red Sox, who are in need of some help, uh, they have to play. They, like I said, uh, with a very pivotal weekend series against the Blue Jays 
against the Blue Jays, which they'll need this weekend. And then they got a they got a three seven ten game homestand to begin to to round out the month of uh, the month of July and to begin the second act of the season. Uh, when they and they do not go on the road again to play the Astros the first of August, a series which they'll need just to make sure that they keep keep up with the uh, with the with the likes of the Mariners, Blue Jays, and Rays, a uh, series which they'll need down in Houston to begin the month of August. But they got the Blue Jays, the Guardians, and then the Brewers. Rough stretch for the Red Sox. We'll see if they can answer the bell uh, here to close out the month of uh, to close out the month of July. Uh, the Guardians, who are not only chasing a wild card spot ball, but also trying to win a division, they got a pivotal series themselves this weekend against the White Sox to keep an eye on. And then, like I said, they play the aforementioned Red Sox uh, from the 25th through the 28th, and then in the race. So they, the rest of the month of July, got three series that they cannot afford to foul up, uh, especially this one right here against the White Sox. Uh, for the uh, for, to pad their uh, AL Central muscle, and of course the Red Sox and Rays when it comes down to the wild card in series coming on and series and an upcoming series coming up uh, down the road. Um, the Blue Jays, and I'll save my and I'll do the Orioles last. They, like I said, weekend series against the Red Sox off day Monday, and then the Cardinals a uh, series which they'll need a short two game series, but that's a pivotal one. They get a laugher with the with the Detroit Tigers in Toronto next weekend, Thursday through next Sunday, the thirty first, and then all up the month of August they got mm, wow they got the Rays, the Twins, the Orioles, which will be no day at the beach, the Guardians, the Orioles again, the Yankees, and then the Red Sox. So after the Tigers series, they won't get a. A, in, uh, a a inferior opponent they can beat the hell out of until the 26th of August, a month from now, a month and a couple of days from now, a few days from now, 24 days to be exact, until the Angels come to Toronto, fly across the country and cross the border come August the 26th. And then the Orioles uh, currently... Uh, their schedule, like a weekend series against the Yankees, and then they host Tampa. They get a layup against the Reds this uh, next weekend, which which should be an easy two out of three, no no less two out of three in a sweep if they put their minds to it. And then they play the Rangers, uh, and then they play the Rangers who they swept when they came to Baltimore at the beginning of the month of July. They play them and down at the new uh, stadium in Texas to open up the month of August. Off they then come back home to play the Pirates at home uh, for the first weekend uh, for the first weekend in August and then the Blue Jays and then and then a makeup game against the Red Sox on a Thursday and then back to Tampa uh, and then Toronto and then a makeup game against the Cubs on the 18th and the Red Sox again then the White Sox so I mean their August schedule is not easy but it's not impossible Toughest toughest opponent as of now is would probably be going back to the trop, which has been a place of hell for them over the last few seasons. Coming up the weekend of August the twelfth through the fourteenth, and then at and then the last weekend in the month of August the twenty sixth through the twenty eighth when they go down and play Houston. 
but they took, but they, but they got the Guardians in August. The White Sox, who they won three or four against, uh, who they took three or four against in Chicago, coming to Baltimore in August. Makeup game against the Cubs, who they, who they've beaten into a drum, uh, who they beaten into a drum over the summer. The Red Sox, who the who the Orioles have had their number this season thus far, a makeup game in Fenway on the 11th, and then they come to Baltimore for the first time since April, uh, the 19th through the 21st. The Blue Jays, uh, three, uh, for three games in Toronto. The Rangers, and then they gotta take care of business against the Rangers. Pirates win the Cubs game, take care of the Red Sox, and then grind and, and you know do what you can against the Blue Jays, and then try to find a way to win a series against the Astros in the race, if they if they want to be playoff contenders, and if they want Trey Mancini on the team, uh, in between the second and third game of the series when they're in when they're in Cleveland. And try to prohibit the twenty the the game of August the twenty fifth, well, not August. What the hell am I talking about? Uh, that I'm talking about August. Forget that. But uh, I mean, you know, they got if they they got they got some games that they got to grind. They got to grind. They got to try to uh, a, st- a sweep against Houston would be too much. But then again, they did sweep the Astros last year, and this and last year's team was a much 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 worse team uh, last year than it is this year with the Astros. But we'll see. But the Astros, the Rays, tank heavens against the White Sox, and then winning the easy games against against Pittsburgh, the makeup game against the Cubs and the White Sox. But if the Orioles take care of business and avoid a sweep and only have one series in the month of August where they lose one, want one series lost in the month of August, they should be in they should be in decent shape. And then September and then September they get the A's. They get the A's to get the Nationals, which will help the Tigers, which will help. But then again, it's but then again, it's the uh, they get the A's to get the Nationals, but the and but then again, Yankees who they play the last day who they play the last day of September and the last road trip uh, of the season in New York, which if they keep on playing, winning baseball could be a significant series for wild card purposes. They come back on May, you know. They then they play the Blue Jays last homestand in the season in early October, Red Sox. Uh, so you know they they get they do not have an impossible schedule the rest of the way. They don't. They all they got to do is is beat the, is is don't get swept by the Tigers like they did in mid like they did in mid May when they went to Detroit. Uh, beat the hell out beat the hell out of the Cubs. Beat the hell out of the Cubs one more time in the makeup game. Beat the hell out of the Pirates. Beat the hell out of the Pirates. Beat the hell out of the Nationals in D.C. Uh, find a way to win a series against the Rays. Find a way to win a series either time against the Astros. And essentially sniff and claw your way to a win about 83, 84-ish games to put yourself in a situation by the end of the regular season for you to get a playoff spot. All they got to do is tread water, beat the tough teams, and beat the hell out, out of the inferior teams. The Reds, the Pirates, the Nationals. And the one game against the Cubs. And, the, and, and, and return the favor to the Tigers by sweeping them. And it all begins by making sure that you take two of three from the Yankees. 
Take two or three from the Yankees and three or four from Tampa. And then you get to go to Cincinnati and just beat the hell out of them for a weekend. And then go to the and then go to the Rangers and, and complete the, and, and 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 run it back in in, in uh, Texas and sweep them in their own building in return. And then play the Pirates and then and then settle and then get ready for an AL East matchup when you got a host of Blue Jays and then play a red, play a Red Sox road game and then go back to Tampa and then go play Toronto again up north. But. And not an impossible schedule for the Orioles. Not impossible. Not easy, but not impossible. If they if they if they if they put the, if they put their mind to it and they buckle down and they and and they don't fool around and, and, and give away games and starting pitching holds up and 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 the bullpen continues to be lights out, especially later in later in games and they and they know how to and they can String the other hits with runners in scoring position, especially with two outs. And the 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 Orioles should be playing if everything goes well, and and they have to 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 play well against Toronto and Tampa, and beat the hell out of the Pirates, Cubs, one game against the Cubs, Reds. And get revenge against the Tigers. And the Royals, too. I don't think... No, they, they've played the Royals already. I apologize. So beat the hell out of the garbage and find a way to win a series against... Series, plural, when you play the Blue Jays and the Rays. The Rays, especially when you go back to the trop. You have to. Wild card, you got to beat. You cannot be a playoff team... And ha- and put your fate in somebody else's hands. And if you can't beat the Rays on the road, take care of take care of the Rays and Blue Jays and beat the hell out of the garbage. And also, for good measure, take two of three from the Yankees this weekend too. You do that, then come September, you surely will have to debate whether. Uh, you know, debate what game goes on the big screen. Steelers and uh, Steelers and uh, Bengals come September 11th, or uh, or what? Orioles and Red Sox. If you're the Orioles, here's what your goal should be: make it hard for me to watch. Make it hard for me to juggle watching the Orioles and Bengals on Sundays. That's your, if any of them are listening, if there's any way they can get a hold of this audio, find a way for yours truly to juggle watching Orioles regular season against the Red Sox, the, the here, Sundays. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Astros, Yankees. First four Sundays of the football season. And if everything goes to plan, and if everything looks uh, is on the up and up with the Orioles... Those would be four huge, huge games for their playoff hopes. Again, not there yet. I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs. But in the case that we do, those are four big-time games. Three out of four of them against division opponents. And with the Astros mixed in. 
and I and they're lucky on and I and I, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to be lucky on one of them because I recall out of the, the first four weeks of the one out of the first four weeks of the season, the Bengals have a Thursday night game against the Dolphins. So it'll be a lot easier for me to just flip on the game mix Sunday ticket to keep an eye on what's going on, and I can, and I can watch with bated breath. You know, uh, what game would that be? That would be the Thursday night game, week four against the Dolphins. So, which would allow me to watch if the game was if the game was still significant for me to watch uh, Yan- Orioles Yankees up in the Bronx October the se- October the second. Let's hope I get my wish. But their winning streak that they went on was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, longest tied for the longest winning streak in franchise history since 1999. I mean, the feeling amongst this city was electric. The fa- the atmosphere, their last home, their last home uh, series against uh, uh, against the Angels was absolutely especially Friday and Saturday Sunday not so much because of the noon start because genius Rob Manfred wants the games on Peacock and he has the damn game starting at 12 I mean who the hell starts a baseball game at 12 o'clock on a on a Sunday afternoon I mean Rob can you get a freaking clue but Saturday and Sunday was phenomenal and I and I t- and I told people this all after that, after that weekend series against the Angels, I told I had it has been, it had been a long time, five six years big if you want to count them, long time since I recall Cannon Yards being that packed, that rowdy, that crazy for a home game, excluding the home opener. Ex- not counting the home opener, that is the most that the, that Friday when they walked off Iglesias when they had. When they had uh, when they had to come back with Mancini and Mullen, when they had that comeback that Friday night against the Glacius, when it come when 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 Trout hit a three run home run and then Otani homered off of I believe it was Dylan Tate in the top of the ninth inning. That that comeback on Friday, that game and then the one nothing pitchers duel the next day that Saturday afternoon and it was raining. Two loudest, most rambunctious playoff-like crowds I've seen. I didn't go to either of the games, but watching them on TV, the most rambunctious and rowdy and hyped I've seen that crowd for a home game, not including the home opener slash opening day, in a long, long time. Since 2016, 2017. Long time. I mean, the way that they were able to walk off games and find ways to win, whether the hit by Rutschman down to his final strike, last out against uh, Texas on on Fourth of July, doubling off the scoreboard to tie the game up, and then a and then Jorge Mateo with a walk off hit by pitch, and then they found a way to win uh, with a walk off double with Cedric Mu- with uh, with with Cedric Mullins in that same series. And then Mancini walks it off, and then a one nothing edge of your seat pitchers duel against the Angels that Saturday. I mean, my and then they went, and then they then what did they do? When I thought, when I had a feeling that the day off and them uh, and them getting away from the home from the confines of Baltimore could take a little wind out of their sails. What did they do? They go to Chicago and they beat the living hell out of the out of the uh, out of the Chicago Cubs. 
with a couple of with a couple of Orioles supporters in the stands at the friendly confines up up on the north side. Then they go to Tampa and then do what they always do and lose down there. Fought, but they lost. And what do they do? They fight when they're down the hole again last Saturday afternoon. Adley Rushman off the bench. Team can't hit the broad side of a barn. Adley Rushman off the bench. Pinch hit home run to tie the game up. This team does not quit. There's no quit. They don't give up on each other. They don't, they don't give up on the fans. They fight and scratch and claw tooth and nail to the 27th out is recorded. And unlike many or from the 18 team, 19 team, 20 team, 21 team, you couldn't say that. You can say that about this year's team. You can say that. They don't they are a gritty, gutty, feisty, mentally tough baseball team. And competitive too. The most competitive and an entertaining, watchable Orioles team in literally five years. Going to be very few times where you watch an Orioles game if you haven't already this season and not be entertained and not feel like that that the full that the that whatever you know two hours and forty five minutes two fifty three oh five three fifteen however long to get you, rare, rare times this season when you watch an Orioles game win or lose you don't feel like that that you weren't entertained and don't feel like that you weren't watching compelling baseball rarely few and far in between rarely you get your money's worth. Especially when they're at home. When when the Orioles are at home, forget them. Watching the Orioles play at home sometimes is 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 is, is like watching a television show. <laughs> they're so damn entertaining. At at home, you you damn sure are gonna get your money's worth to go see them play at Camden Yards. They are they're gonna find some way, no matter how the game's going, the floor. They are so, more times than not. They are somehow somebody gonna find a way to make to make the game exciting, to make it feel like you're watching Game Seven of another World Series. The beauty of this team, if they as long as they finish with a respectable re- record and and win no less than 70, 72 games. I will already say without fear of contradiction that this will go, that this team will go down as one of my favorite Orioles teams of all time, barring a a pathetic collapse where they can't where you know where they fail to win at least seventy games. It's going. I, I can. I, I am. I am without fear of contradiction. I feel confident enough right now and say this. This will probably be when it's all said and done. Regardless if they make the playoffs or miss it by a game or miss it by a half a game. One of my favorite Oriole teams of my lifetime, up there with the up there with the 2012 team, the 2014 team, the 2016 team, the 2011 team that had a phenomenal August and knocked the Red Sox out of the playoffs in Game 162. I said Robin Andino hitting the single off of uh, Chapman. And then the Mariners, who are due, but the th- now the Mariners' streak is longer, and at one point in time, the Mariners and the Orioles were kind of lockstep, neck and neck of okay to see who was going to blink first. 
whose winning streak was going to snap first and ended up it was the Orioles were the ones that were the, the who whose streak broke first and the ones that was able to, to blink first. But there's something about the Orioles hot streak means a little bit more to the Mariners. For one reason and one reason only. The Mariners this season were supposed to be this good. Nobody expected the Orioles to be this good. If you told me that heading into the all break that the Orioles would be at 500 and would somewhere down the line ride a 10-game winning streak and have eight walk-off wins in a year, I would have had you drug-tested immediately. The Manners missed the playoffs by an eyelash. Won 90 games. The winning streak is great, and maybe it's a sign that they'll be able to get the monkey off their back and finally, for the first time since 2001, make the playoffs. But the Manners were supposed to be this good. They're supposed to have a hot streak and supposed to be a, a team holding a playoff spot and, and a team in playoff contention. We expected this from them. I certainly did. Nobody expected this from the Orioles. Nobody outside of the players and the coaches within the clubhouse. Because nobody saw this coming. Nobody. The Braves and the Mets race for the East should be interesting and compelling as well. You take a look at the standings there. Uh, only uh, at heading into sun, heading into uh, uh, this weekend's action, only the uh, only the uh, only a two and a half game lead separates the Mets, who had a double digit lead. The Braves have started to close in on that. They've won seven out of the last ten. The Mets haven't been horrible. But the you know but but the but them riding the high wave the first two and a half months of seasons caught up to them, fifty eight and thirty five should be getting the ground back shortly. They've had Scherzer back for for a few weeks now, uh, and they and he couldn't ask for a better time for Degrom to come back off the IL. While the Atlanta Braves are starting to hit their stride once again at fifty six and thirty eight, two and a half games back of the East lead, they uh, have won seven out of the last ten games. Uh, they uh, open up the second half against open up the second half of the season against the Angels at home. Open against the Angels at home, and then they go out to Philadelphia to play the Phillies, and then back home to play the Diamondbacks, and then home against the Phillies, and they go out to New York to play the Mets the first weekend of the month of August. As for the as for the Mets. Who are current? Who are still sitting in first place? They open up the second half of the season. A good one, uh, hosting the uh, San Diego Padres in Queens, and then they get and then they get the Yankees uh, on Tuesday and third and Tuesday and Wednesday. A Subway Series highly anticipated uh, coming up later this week, and then an off day on Thursday, and then they go to South Beach to play the Marlins come back northward to play the Nationals and then back home to play the Braves as I uh, as I aforementioned. Um and then of course with the NL Central race which I brought up, you have the the Brewers who have who have lost 3 games in a row, lost 7 out of the last 10. 
50, only seven games above 500 at 50 and 43. Half game advantage heading into Friday's action against the St. Louis Cardinals, who have 50 and 44, who have won six out of the last 10, have won back to back games heading into, uh, heading into Friday's uh, action. So that's where you stand, Major League Baseball at the All-Star break. We take a break and switch our minds to the NFL. This is the Amatel Cotillas Podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now from baseball to football. A couple of items, uh, news items pertaining to players in the quarterback position I want to get my uh, opinions on. Uh, first one, I won't spend a whole hell of a lot of time on because why bother? Because you know, he doesn't, you know, because, you know, A, I'm sick of hearing about it, and B, ain't that much to talk about. You know, a lot of opinions for me to dissect. Baker Mayfield got traded. This was on July the 6th. Got traded Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers for a 2024 conditional uh, draft pick. Panthers will pay $4.85 million of Mayfield salary, while the Browns will pay the other $10.5 million that he's owed this year. Uh, that he's owed this year. Here is my uh, two cents on it, and I'll get to Callum Murray, who I, who I want to uh, uh, sound off on. Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield for him personally. It was the best thing for him personally for him to get out of Cleveland. Um, you know, a, a a the relationship had already been toiled. Uh, it had been no going back. What the damage has done, the bridge had been burned. What you know, there's no there's no taking there's no taking the knife or taking the bullet out of out of the out of the uh, out of the, uh, the the wound that it created. So for Baker Mayfield, it's be- it was best for his psyche. It was best for his mind. It was best for you know, it's best for Baker Mayfield for him to uh, for him to get out of for him to get out of Cleveland. You know, with the fan with slander with the fan base and and the organ there was a lot of tension there. They of course back in mid uh, March went out there and traded for Deshaun Watson, so there was no chance in hell that Baker Mayfield was getting now there was an oppor- there was a small now I gotta admit and be fair also that 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 it did look like it was gonna be that there was gonna be a possibility that the Brown, that the Browns have no choice but to keep Baker Mayfield on the team because prior to the up until essentially through uh June it looked like that there was going to be no, and the draft came and went, and the free agency frenzy in March and April came and went, and it looked like that 
Baker Mayfield essentially was going to be, even with Deshaun Watson on the team, that they were going to be stuck with Baker Mayfield at least for the 2022 season as for the, up until, of course, early July, at the beginning of the month, July the 6th to be exact, that they couldn't find that they couldn't find a, 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 a suitable trade partner for. So it did look like for a little bit of time that Baker Mayfield would be stuck on a Cleveland Browns roster and could possibly be their starting quarterback to get, that would give them the best chance to win while with his shoulder fully healed fully healed and surgically repairing everything else while Deshaun Watson uh, still uh, currently still on the fence whether or not he's going to be suspended but he'll uh, sitting on the fence with the idea of him uh, with the idea of him undergoing a with the idea of him undergoing a suspension but what but uh, it's good for Baker Mayfield to get out and from a Browns perspective uh, from Brown's perspective, listen, I get it. You know, you didn't get much form because Baker, because a, I, I have a feeling that nobody around the league really likes or cares for Baker Mayfield, with because his attitude, his attitude is brash, cocky, arrogant, can rub you the wrong way, tough to take, tough to stomach. If you either a don't know him personally or if you're an opponent of his. He could kind of annoy you and 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 piss you off very easily with his uh, with his cocky and arrogant, uh, damn near shut shut should I say juvenile behavior and demeanor, the way he carries himself. So uh, and also he had he 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 you know after the so- shoulder injury that he sustained during the season last year that his uh, season and his uh, and his stats. And the way he was perceived and looked at as a quarterback league-wide went in the toilet when he essentially struggled with the forward pass. Uh, and his numbers and his production went way down compared to the uh, great uh, bounce back season he had in twenty that he had in twenty twenty. Got in the Cleveland Browns to their first winning season and playoff appearance in about in twenty years in about twenty years and their first playoff victory and God knows how long. Uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, no less on Sunday Night Football. Uh, but he uh, took a major step back in t- in twenty twenty one, and you know, and the shoulder injury uh, added insult to injury, and he and he never recovered. And a lot, and and also, you know, you just take a look. You know, you heard mentions of the Seahawks being interested, but you know, not a lot of teams would be in the market for uh, would be in the market for Baker Mayfield services. I mean, you go down the list, start off with the AFC East and work your way to the NFC West. Patriots drafted Mac Jones. He ain't going anywhere. They drafted him last year, heading into second. He ain't going anywhere. It's the last chance with Tua with the Dolphins. Uh, you look at the Jets. You look at the Jets. They the second year uh, Zach Wilson. Why would they give up on him? You know he's he's brand new with the Jets. Josh Allen obviously not with the with uh, with Buffalo. The North. The Bengals. Of why in the hell would the Bengals uh, move on from Joe Burrow? He's the greatest thing that's he's the greatest thing that's happened to him since Boomer Esiason. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. Who's still who's an MVP and is still pondering whether whether or not to uh, give him a contract. Extension. The the Browns obviously uh, traded for Watson, so they want Mayfield out the door. And the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett in the draft uh, this past April. Then you go to the then you go to the Central. Uh, the the Titans are stuck with the Titans are stuck with Ryan Tannehill. The Texans uh, the Texans just got ri- just got rid of Deshaun Watson. They're in the middle of a rebuild. Why you know why would Baker Mayfield feel like he you know feel like that he could win? 
uh, he, that he could win with the, with the Houston Texans. Why would that trade make any sense? Uh, and then, of course, and then the Colts, of course, just signed, uh, just got Matt Ryan to try to make a playoff push, uh, and they dumped Carson, and they dumped Carson Wentz. Uh, you go to the West, obviously, every, you know, Derek Carr, who had a good season last year with the Raiders, isn't going anywhere, and everybody else in the, in, you know, the, the, the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson, the Chargers are in love with Herbert, and rightfully so, and you'd be, and you would need your head, you would need your brain donated to the science if you wanted to replace Baker Mayfield, wanted to replace Patrick Mahomes with Baker Mayfield. NFC, Daniel Jones, his last opportunity with the Giants. Uh, the the uh, the Washington, you know, they're basically stuck with Heineke until further until further notice. Uh, the Eagles with Jalen hurts his last opportunity to do something with all the weapons that they put around him throughout this off season. Uh, and the Dallas Cowboys gave Dak Prescott a huge contract. The North, Aaron Rodgers. He okay, they just signed him. He's in in the back nine of his. He's in the back nine, back six, three holes of his career. Obviously, ain't, ain't going anywhere with the Packers. Kirk Cousins, the Vikings on the hook to pay. Uh, the the Lions basically have their version of Baker Mayfield with Jared Goff. Why would they dump Jared Goff for, for Baker Mayfield when the Lions aren't in a position to compete to compete for to become a playoff team yet? It would make no sense. And the Chicago Bears second year with with Justin Fields. The South, the you know, the Saints brought back Jameis for another season. Uh, the the the. Falcons are a bit of a rebuild, so that's one. So that's one area outside. The Seahawks and the Falcons are the only two places that he was going outside of outside of Carolina, who he ended up getting. Uh, and who else? And who else in the South? I'm forgetting. The Bucks with Brady, not a chance in hell. The West, you know, they they got Lance and trying to dump Garoppolo, so Baker Mayfield obviously wouldn't go to the San Francisco. Stafford is in love with the Rams and vice versa. Uh, the Cardinals just signed just signed Kyle Murray to an extension. We'll get to him in a minute. So where was he going to go? What the Fal- the Falcons, Seahawks? He ended up going to the Carolina Panthers at the end of the day. And I think the best decision for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield would do it all over again. I think the best decision that he could have made for his future and for his career, and if he would have done it, he'd still be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, and Deshaun Watson would still be in a in a Houston Texans uniform as we speak, as he would have bit the bullet, swallowed his pride, and shut it down for the rest of the season when he separated his non-throwing shoulder. He does that and doesn't essentially selfishly try to play through the injury and do nothing but hurt his team and be and be a uh, a detriment and a liability more than he is being a uh, a, 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 ball, a baller gamer of a teammate. He'd still be wearing the Cleveland Browns orange and orange and brown because the way it is, folks. Until Deshaun Watson steps on the field in a real game for in a Cleveland Brown uniform, he is the best quarterback that the Browns have had in the last twenty years. Gave him a winning season, a playoff appearance, one of a playoff game, and came within an eyelash of playing in the AFC Championship game. If their defense could would, could find a way to stop Chad Henney on a fourth and twelve, whatever it was, uh, QB draw when Mahomes got knocked out of the game. If you remember correctly, and then Kyler Murray, you know, with a contract extension. 
you know, where in the world do the do the Arizona Cardinals think that Kyler Murray deserves a contract extension? And I understand, and I heard the talking points, and I and I understand the facet and the mindset of well, you can't have a young quarterback, you know, who's the quote unquote face of the franchise going around training camp moping his head, moping around, hanging his head low with his tail in between his legs, bitching and moaning and carrying on because he doesn't have a new contract extension. My my rebuttal to that is who cares? Okay, so what? He's not. Josh Allen, he's not Mahomes, he's not Burrow, he's not Justin Herbert. Okay? If the if he does not have a new contract, it's for if he if he's playing for on my team, it would be for a reason. Okay? He's not Herbert, he's not Allen, he's not Burrow, he's not Patrick Mahomes. I won't say Brady and Rodgers because they're over 35 years of age. But he's not any. He's not any of those four four young quarterbacks that I mentioned. He's not any of them. He has no. He, he's not any of them. He's not. He's not Lamar Jackson, who's won a playoff game and and has an MVP sitting in his trophy case. He's not even better than Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson out of the uh, out of the combination that I mentioned. Is is with with Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow? He's the worst. He's the worst out of those five quarterbacks that I named. But he being the worst of the five is still better than Kyler Murray. And I understand in twenty twenty two NFL that your chance that you might as well uh, kiss the baby and say goodnight if you don't have a starting. If you don't have a, 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 a solid bona fide starting quarterback, franchise quarterback on your roster. So I get that and I understand that without a quarterback in 2022 NFL, your chances of winning go down the toilet. But but at the end but at the end of the day, just because he plays the most important position doesn't mean you overcompensate. You that's the perfect word I wanted to use for that. Doesn't mean you overcompensate by overpaying Kyler Murray simply based on the position that he plays. You even though he plays the most valuable and most important position on the team on the field doesn't mean doesn't mean that you overpay. For his services, simply because of the position that he plays, because he's still at the end of the day, you still got to compare and contrast him along 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 with his other peers that play that position the same way you would a wide receiver, same same way you would a tight end, a running back, a corner, a linebacker, an interior pass rusher, uh, a de- a defensive end, a strong safety, a free safety. Uh, 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 the uh, the right guard, the left tackle, the center. You still gotta compare them amongst their peers when it comes when it comes to being in a negotiation room and being and being in the in in, in the contract talks conversations. And you still gotta compare and contrast play, his his fellow peers when when deciding who and what should 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 get the mo- who who should get the money and for how much and for how long. Just because he plays the quarterback position doesn't give him a doesn't doesn't mean that you overcompensate by overpaying him. He plays the most important position. Great. 
We understand that. We've established that. But when it comes to Kyler Murray, not the position that he plays, but how well does he play his position compared to his fellow peers that are making the money that he, or that are making the money that have the tax bracket that he wants to put himself into. And at the end of the day, Kyler Murray is not Josh Allen. He's not Mahomes. He's he's not he, he's not Lamar Jackson who wants to get paid. He's not Justin Herbert who soon will be paid. He's not Joe Burrow who soon will be paid. He's not any of those guys. He's not Dak. He's at the same level, in my opinion, as Dak Prescott, who has been paid. But just because he plays business, I do not like that signing by the Cardinals by any stretch of the imagination. I don't. If it was me, if it was my football team, he can pout, poke out his lip, and and hang and hang his head at five foot nine, five foot ten until the freaking damn cows come home. If it's my team, I say I could give a damn. You, uh, quite frankly, I understand the money that you're asking me for, but I'd tell him up front, I'd say, quite frankly, Kyler, compared to the other guys that you're comparing yourself to, you haven't earned it yet. Mahomes has earned it. Allen has earned it. Joe Burrow, who will be paid soon, has done more in his two years in the league than you have in the last three-plus he came off an ACL surge and a seasoning ACL injury and took his team to the Super Bowl. What the hell has Kyler Murray done for the for the Arizona Cardinals in his career? Outside of collapse, outside of collapse, game after game, and the back end of the previous two seasons that he's played on a competitive playoff contending team. He collapsed in 2020, and he collapsed in 2021. Whether it be the Monday night game at home against the Rams, whether it's losing, uh, whether it's losing a road game to the Detroit Lions, whether it's taking himself out and getting absolutely embarrassed in front of the country by the Rams in the wild card playoff game back in January, you name the you name the 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 the, the, the circumstance. He hasn't earned it yet. I understand place most important position. I understand that with again, without a, a solid, competent quarterback, you can't win a Super Bowl. You can't even be in a conversation without one. Twenty years you could be. I lot Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson. Twenty twenty two, Brad Brad Johnsons and Trent and Trent Dilfers don't win you Super Bowls in two thousand and twenty two NFL football. They just don't. For better, for worse, for richer, for for poor, indifferent. You know, whether you love it. Like it, hate it, or indifferent towards it, it's just the way it is. And if it was me, I would make him this season play for a new contract. Because what I have seen the previous two seasons doesn't convince me if I was running Arizona Cardinals that you're going to be our franchise guy that we can close our eyes and picture seeing you hoist up the George Hallis Trophy taking us to a Super Bowl and seeing uh, and and us seeing you win us uh, our of uh, the franchise's first Vince Lombardi Trophy. I don't see that. As of July of 2022, heading into the 2022 new season, I don't see that. As of right now, 
And I would make that, and I would make that perfectly crystal clear to Murray. And I'd say, if you don't like it, you got two choices. Don't take it like a child. Take it like a man. Take it like an adult, and do something about it. And boy, your hind parts off. Become an MVP candidate. Get us a. And we also forget too, the Cardinals were in perfect position to get the number one, if not number two, seed in the NFC playoffs. And not only did they lose, not only did they lose a top two seed in the in the conference for playoffs, they also ended up losing the division. Let's not forget that either. And I tell Kyler, remember that. And next time we're in a prime position, undefeated, 11-0, whatever it was to begin the season, make sure that you don't lose on the road to a, to a, to a supreme inferior opponent like the Lions. When we're lined up in a position to win a number one seed, make sure you lock it down. So we have home field advantage in the first round bye. Something that they failed to do. One, just him was his teammates as well. But he's the quarterback. He's the leader of the team. He's the one that wanted the money. And I wouldn't have given it to him. I wouldn't have given it to him. If he wanted to mope, two choices. Play better and earn it this season. Or we'll trade your high parts out of here. And it's also a joke that prior to the Murray signing, that Klondike Barrow can't coach his way out of a paper bag, and the GM also got a contract extension. That also, and I said this at the time, so it's not anything I haven't said before, but that also makes no sense and is completely asinine on the on, on the part of ownership for the Cardinals organization. So if the Cardinals fizzle out again and finish either 10-7 first-round playoff exit or 9-8 and or 8-9 and, and miss the playoffs by a game and a half, two games, and are basically stuck with the GM, coach, and quarterback, knowing good and damn well that they won't take them to a Super Bowl, let alone win them a playoff game, they have nobody to blame but themselves. We'll wrap up the program with DeAndre Ayton back after this. Welcome back to the Amitaki Tiyas podcast. To close out the program, uh, we will dis- get into an NBA uh, signing uh, that took place 
that I wanted to get my uh, two cents on, uh, and I've been, and I know I will get, I will find a way to fit in my two cents on uh, on the Lakers somehow running it back with with LeBron, AD, and Westbrook. I get into that. Nothing's happening with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, so I'm not going to speculate and play the what if game like you get a ton on ESPN and FS1. I'm not going to beat that dead horse into a into dust. So I'm not going to touch that, but really not anything not a, really any big time storylines is happening. Of news to talk about outside of one I found interesting and that DeAndre Ayton who you heard with rumblings through, you know in the aftermath of their pathetic and embarrassing uh, season ending loss to the uh, home season ending loss in game 6 to the Phoenix Suns in uh, in mid May that there was uh, uh, friction and rift-raft between DeAndre Ayton and the Suns organization, including uh, including that of his head coach uh, Monty Williams, and it looked like that. And I said all along, and I said uh, about I, I forget when I said it, I either said it at the time or I said it when the free agency period began. But I but go back and and listen to it. I did recall saying. One time or another in the last uh, few months, I did recall saying that if the Suns let DeAndre Ayton walk and let him go to another team, it would be a very, very big mistake. I'm not making him out to be Shaq. I'm not making him out to be Hakeem Olajuwon. But he is a very intricate part of that team with what he does, what he provides on the floor as a seven as an athletic seven footer that's got a decent jump shot and and and, and is and was one of the main reasons why they won the Western Conference now two seasons ago. Uh, back in twenty back in this in the twenty 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 one I told you it would be a big mistake if they let him go and whoever whether somebody in the Suns organization listens to the show, you never know who's listening, or just sheer coincidence it looked like that at that when the chips were down in the middle of the table and the sun's backs up against the wall in a moment of desperation, they came to that realization and saw the light uh and had a come to Jesus moment and were able to top the uh the match the, the uh, offer made by the Indiana Pacers to Aiton with a four year hundred and thirty three million dollar uh max contract. So DeAndre Aiton will stay placed with the Phoenix Suns, which is a good move. It's good to see that whatever bad blood, whatever turmoil that the organization and Aiton had amongst each other, they were able to let that they were able to push their egos aside. Uh, let bygones be bygones, and 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 look at it for, and look at it for the good of uh, for the a for the good of Aiton's wallet, and b for the good of the of where of where DeAndre Aiton would like to play. Uh, you never heard of any rumblings or any signs of a t- uh, tension or friction with his with his teammates, surely with and primarily with uh, Williams, the head coach. But he belongs in a Phoenix Suns uniform. It would have been a complete. It would have been a understated yet major loss to the Suns if they would have let him go uh, to the uh, Indiana Pacers. But it's good for uh, the Suns and it's good for Aiton that uh, that he will be there for the next. Uh, for the next four seasons, so good to see uh, DeAndre Ayton taken care of by the Phoenix Suns as he will be there, and that squad with Booker and with Chris Paul will trying to find a way to, uh, to will try to find a way 
to uh, to make it back to the NBA Finals and win themselves their first franchise, their first championship in franchise history. It also goes to show. It also shows too with two uh, max players on the team with uh, with Aiton and uh, and Booker that it, that the chances of uh, Kevin Durant going there are, are looking slim to none. So again, like I said in the previous episode, if you're Durant, now you're in a position where where you really ain't got no choice. Either bite the bullet, reconcile, and try to make it work in Brooklyn, or go to a downtrodden franchise and try and try to be uh, the, the hero and, and try to be a hero in, in, a, in a city for a team that, ha- that hasn't either won in a long time or hasn't won, period. That's got players on a roster not making, not making two nickels rub together. Which is also an intriguing thing to ponder and think about, too. But... It is good to be back. It is good to talk to you guys. I missed you all. Hope you all miss me in return. If you are new to the program and like what you heard, please uh, follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it is. Good show today. We will be back. For, uh, we will be back with you coming up middle of next week. For Jai Shields, I will talk to you guys in the next one. Y'all have a great and safe weekend. God bless. See ya. Y'all take care.